This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The ultimate, the ultimate Midah of treating somebody else correctly. And we're going to learn everything tonight from one person, from Yosef HaTzadik. So we're going, to, we're going to sort of weave a shear over here. We're going to go from the beginning of Yosef HaTzadik's introduction to us in Pasha Yeshev. <coughs> we're going to end this week's Pasha Vayichi. Vayichi is the last Pasha in the book of Bereshis. And if you go to Shul and Shabbos, you'll hear them say, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazay. Be strong, no matter what, you got to be strong. You can never give up. We'll see the end of the last Pasuk in the whole book of Bereshis, which is the synopsis of the whole book. Um, and Bezrat Hashem, we have, we have to start off with looking at something very special about Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, his introduction to us, um, of course he was born and Rachel Menno had him, but his int- real introduction to us was in Pashas Vayeshev. And the Torah tells us, Elotol is Yaakov, who is the children of Yaakov, it only mentions one child, it only mentions Yosef. He was 17 years old, he was a shepherd, and then the Torah tells us, for who nar has b'nei bila, has b'nei zilpa. And he was a nar, and he defended the b'nei bila, the b'nei zilpa, and the she'aviv, the wives of his father. By Yahweh, Yosef, is the basam ra elavihem. And Yosef brought their bad words, what were their bad words? The shvatim to their father. So let me, <coughs> let me explain to you what's going on over here. So, Yaakov Avinu married two wives. He married Leah. Actually, he wanted to marry Rachel first, but he ended up marrying Leah, and then he ended up marrying Rachel. Those were his two wives. Now, Lavan gave with each wife a maidservant. Okay? Bila and Zilpah were the servants. Bila was the servant of Rachel, and Zilpah was the servant of Leah. And Yaakov Avinu had from those maidservants, two children from each one of them. Two children from Zilpah and two children from Bila. Six children from Leah and two children from Rachel. That's how he had 12 children, okay? <coughs> the brothers never accepted the maidservants' children to be on their royalty, to be on their level. My mother was Leah, your mother was the servant of Leah or the servant of Rachel. They were maid servants. Now we have to understand Yosef's position. Yosef's position was he was Rachel's Bechar. We know that Yaakov really wanted to marry just Rachel. So of all the children that Yaakov had, the Pusik says, right, that Ela told us Yaakov was Yosef. And the Pusik says, the Yisrael of is Yosef Mikobanov. That Yaakov Avinu loved Yosef more than any one of his other children. So Yosef was the man. Yosef was the chosen. Yosef was his Talmud for 17 years. The one who went and defended the maidservant's children who were not being treated correctly by the other six children of Leah, the, the, the Shvatim, he, even though he was in a big position, it bothered him to see his half-brothers, because they weren't his whole brothers. They were from Bill and Zilp, and he came from Rachel, but they had the same father, Yaakov. It bothered him that the Shvatim were calling them the children of maidservants. So he went to his father, and he said to his father, the Basim Ra, this is no good. 
the Shvatim are talking bad, they're calling them maidservant kids. So the first thing, ladies, that we see about Yosef HaTzadik was that he was sensitive to other people's feelings. Not other, other people's feelings, but the underdog. The maidservant's kids. He was very into being sensitive to the underdog. Okay. We go further. So that's Yosef. We go further. And we, we spoke about this. He wanted to be part of the brotherhood. He wasn't part of the brotherhood. He was not accepted. Okay. Now let's go to the end of Pashavayesha, Perek Lamates. So Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim. Potifa buys him. And he ends up, listen to the Pasuk. So this is, you know, watch a roller coaster. Yosef is the, is the favorite son. He's at the top. They sell him down to Mitzrayim. He's at the bottom. You never really want to be all the way on the top. Because if you're only on the top, there's nowhere up to go. There's only down to go. You'd be in the, in the higher last third of the top. You never want to be on the top of the mountain. Because where are you going from there? Don't, never, never, never ask Hashem to be like on the top. Once you're on the top, there's nowhere to go. But, we, so, so he fell. So he comes out to Mitzrayim. He's on the bottom. What happens? So this guy buys him. And as, the, as Rashi and the, every, and the Rashi says, Potifa, we're going to say it in Lushen Nikia and a nice Lushen, because there's some young girls here. Potifa was on the other side. Okay, whoever understands that understands that. He was on the other side. He actually bought Yosef for himself. Okay? So, Yosef was on the top. Now he's Mamash on the bottom. Not only is he a slave, but he's a slave to a guy who bought him for himself. So, Potifa was married, but he wasn't really married to a woman. He was married to Aisha's Patifa, but he wasn't really married to her. The rule in, in Mitzrayim was that if you want to be a, um, a, a minister, you had to be married. So he went through the emotions and he got married to a woman, but he wasn't interested in that woman. So he actually bought Yosef for himself. Now, what happens? Of course, there was nothing to talk about with Yosef, right? So, it says the following. By he... The, the, the last words of Pasuk Bezis, Asher Hividu Yishama. That he went down. So he was, that Pasuk is he's on the bottom. What does Hashem do for him? Vayihi Hashem es Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. Vayihi Ishmat Sliach. He was very much Sliach. He did very well as a servant. And he, Vayar Adonav ki Hashem Ito. Potifa saw, wow. Since this slave, this Jewish slave Yosef, is in my house, Everything is like blossoming. Everything is going amazing, right? Well, you to Yosef He liked Yosef. By and he made him the head servant. By and he said, "You know what? I trust you. You will run my household." So he went from servant to get his all the way down. He will do, and he's moving his way up now. He's moving his way up. He's number one in the in the in the, in the house. Or Potifa. The whole Yeshlo, everything that Potifa had, no Sambayado. He said, you know what? I trust you. I see you're being Matzliach. Here are the keys. Here's the car. Here's the credit card. You got everything. You run the show. Okay? The Potsik says, now that Potifa let him run the house. On everything that he owned. 
Beglal Yosef. Hashem blessed the house of the Mitzri because of Yosef. Hashem brought a bracha to everything in Potiphar's house and all the crops that he was growing in the field. Unbelievable. Because Yosef was there. Now the Pasi tells us again, this is very important. Yosef, you told me that already. He left everything in the hands of Yosef. And he didn't know anything that was going on. Except for the bread that he ate. And Rashi says, what does that mean? It means his wife. He didn't give Yosef his wife. Right? Rashi says, who is she? Yosef was very, very beautiful. I saw an unbelievable Zoyar this Matzah Shabbos. I saw a Zoyar this Matzah Shabbos. And the Zoyar said, I just, I told her about leaf at a wedding. The Zoyar said that in this week's Pasha, in Pasha Vayichi, when Yaakov Avinu saw, or maybe the last, when Yaakov Avinu saw Yosef, it said that he got his Ruach HaKodesh back and he became at peace. Why? Because Yosef looked like Rachel. He was as beautiful as his wife Rachel. And when he saw Yosef, he remembered Rachel, and once he was able to remember Rachel, he, he was totally comforted. Yaakov Avinu. It was an unbelievable Zoyar. You see, he missed her. They were humans. We think that they weren't humans. Like, they weren't humans. Zoyar says that when he saw Yosef, who looked like his, it, rem, it reminded him of the beauty of his wife, and he was, he was comforted. So you can imagine the relationship that the two of them had. They were human beings. They were on a very high, they had a very high level. Anyway, so, okay. So now Yosef is the man. He's running the house. He's got the keys. He's got the car. He's got everything. After this, after this, the, the woman in the house, Potiphar's wife, said to Yosef, I want you to be with me. And he refused. He refused. What, what, how, how did he refuse? I'm going to tell you the Medrash. He said to the Ashes Potiphar, <coughs> The master of the house doesn't even know what's going on in the house. He let me control the whole house. And everything, <coughs> and he gave me everything in his hand. I have everything. No one's greater in this house than me. And he's not holding anything back from me. Except, the only thing I'm not allowed to have in the house is you. Because you're his wife. How can I do such a terrible thing and sin to Hashem? Why didn't he say, so it seems to be, that what Yosef HaTzad is saying here is that the reason I can't be with you and the reason it's a sin to Hashem is because I have the keys to everything. The man trusts me with everything. I'm going, I'm going to go ahead and hurt the man that, that trusts me. I'm going to break his trust. Why don't you just say to her, you're married. You're an ashes ish. It's adultery. I don't do adultery. Why don't you say, you're a guy. I'm a Jew. I'm the son of Yaakov Avinu. I'm not going to be with you. You're a mystery. He tells her a whole story. I'm the man. He gave me everything. I control the house. 
How could I do this? What does controlling the house have to do with not being with her? Should have said, you're an Aishas Ish. This is adultery. I'm a Jew. This is an Avera. He said, it seems to be that that the Avera that I'm doing to God is because your husband let me have everything in the house. So let me tell you a Medrash. And the Medrash says <coughs> that when she came to him, he said to her, there are two reasons that I cannot be with you. Reason number one, you're a married woman, it's adultery. Reason number two, you're a guy. I can't be with a guy. Now, it says that she was a big sorceress. She was very, very beautiful. According to the Chidah, she was the most beautiful woman in that, in that generation in the world. And she knew how to read the stars. She was very educated. She was like the perfect shidduch for Yosef. Except she was a guy. She was married. So she takes Yosef outside at night to the stars. And she says, I know how to read the stars. And the stars, stargazing was a, was a profession. And there's a lot you can see in the stars. Yosef Atzalik, the manager said, also knew how to read the stars. Yaakov Avinu knew how to read the stars. And he taught Yosef how to read the stars. She says, look at the stars. I see in the stars that the stars say that for me and you are coming two great tzaddikim. Yosef looks at the stars because he knew how to read the stars. And the star says, and Hashem arranges the stars, that from him, Yosef Atzadik and Potiphar's wife are coming two tzaddikim. So she said, if your God didn't want you to marry me or be with me, because you're a Jew and I'm not, your God is showing in the stars that from us are coming two tzaddikim. So you're wrong. He said, I know, but it's, but it's adultery. So she said, in Jewish law, she knew Jewish law, she said, what's a marriage by a non-Jew? By a Jew, it's a, it's a ring. Kedushin is shtar kesafobia. Either being physically together or giving something worth a fruit to a penny or writing a, a, writing a, a contract. By a non-Jew, they don't have that. The only consummation of marriage is when the man and woman are physically together. That consummates the marriage, and according to Jewish law, then they are married. Now, being that Potiphar was what he was, she said, Yosef, you know that he didn't consummate the marriage. He's not interested in physically being with me. He's on the other side. So, if he never consummated the marriage, then what you're doing is not adultery. So your two reasons are out the door. And I always tell my Tamidim, I'm like, if someone wants you to do an Avera, don't give them reasons why you shouldn't. Because if they blow the reasons, then you're going to end up doing the Avera. Just say, I don't do this. Finish. Don't, why that? You're a shiksa and the stars. That. I don't do this. But he gave her two reasons, and she blew the two reasons away. So he was stuck. He was stuck. So he said to her, you're right. I'm reading the stars. I don't understand how they could say that. I know that you're not married according, according to Jewish law, so it's not adultery. He said, but the greatest sin, the greatest sin that a person can do is to hurt the person that trusts them. It's to break the trust. To be a coffee type. The man took a slave. He made me the boss. He gave me the credit card. He gave me the car. He gave me the food. He gave me everything. And I'm going to go behind his back and take his wife away? And take the one thing that he didn't give me? No way! That's the biggest sin. Why? Because Yosef's essence 
was not to hurt other people. And he said, at the end of the day, I will hurt your husband. Because even though he didn't consummate the marriage, as far as the Egyptians are concerned, you're married. He gave me everything else. He didn't give me you. So I should use my position of power to, to do something with you against your husband? And he ran away. He refused her. He ran away. So that midah of the end of the day, it may not be wrong halacha, but it's wrong. It's called the fifth book of Shulchan Aruch. But I'm going to hurt somebody else. He says, that's a, that's a bigger sin. That's a bigger sin. So he didn't do anything. Okay. Let's go on. So he goes on. Next, next, uh, end of Pash Vayeshev. We spoke about this in Vayeshev. Okay, so now, he goes all the way up. Right? So let's start for Yosef. Yosef is up. He's his father's favorite son. Then he sold to Mitzrayim. Then he's down. Then he's, Potiphar takes him, brings him all the way back up. He's the head of the house. What happens? He goes all the way up. He ends up, she ends up saying that he did something to her. They throw him in the deepest, deepest dungeon in Mitzrayim. He's all the way down again. So now he's all the way down again. But Hashem never leaves him down. So now he's in prison. This Jewish slave, he's a nobody. He's in prison. What happens? Unbelievable. Listen to this. To what happens? What is it? When he heard the words of his wife, Right? He got angry. And they put him in the base Hasoyar. <coughs> what was this jail? This was the jail where the king put the people in the worst. It was the worst jail. What happens? He's on the bottom. But he, Hashem, is Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. And Hashem gave him Chesed. The head warden of the jail found favor. He found favor in his eyes. Look what's going on. The same thing. The head guy, the head warden, made Yosef the head warden. He gave him all the keys to all the jail cells. He is now the king taking over. Not the king, but he's the head man. Hashem took him all the way back up again. He became the head man in jail. Okay. What does it say? The prison warden did not scrutinize anything that was in his charge. He didn't check anything at all, insomuch as Hashem was with him, and whatever he did, Hashem made successful. <coughs> so the same thing that happened by Potiphar, that he gave him the keys, he gave him the car, he gave him everything, the warden did the same thing. Now, what happened? So now you have to understand, he's on top again. But Yosef is always worried, yes, Vatalik is always worried about others' feelings. So, Yavoy Alehem Yosef Maboka. Yosef was going through the jail in the morning. Vayar Osam, and he saw the Sahar Mashkim and the Sahar Ofim. Vihine Zoafim. They were depressed. So he, he sees these two Arabs, these two Egyptians, and he's like, they're depressed. Why should he care? He's the head. They're a bunch of lowlifes. Why should he care if two prisoners are upset? That's nothing to do with him. But Yosef Atzadik, if someone was upset, it bothered him. And he asked these two Srisei Paro, 
Why do you look so depressed today? Your faces look really, you guys don't look good. Why don't you look good? Now, there's an extra word here. It should say, right? It shouldn't say the word Hayom. Why are your faces, why, why you look depressed? So the Pasuk is telling us the word Hayom, which means that every single day he looked at them. Why are, why are your faces depressed today compared to all the other days? So he added the word day, which means that he used to look at everyone to see how they're doing. Today, they look depressed. So we asked them, what's going on with you guys? That question saved the world. Because what happened? They said, we had a dream. He said, what was your dream? He translated the dream. Then the, the, the Sahamashim got out. Paro had a dream. He said, there was a Jew. There was a kid. There was a Jew. There was a slave. And he was able to translate my dream. And then Paro took him out and he translated the dream and he became the, the second to the king of Paro. And he said seven bad years, seven good years. And he saved the whole world because they collected the food and they kept it. So the question of asking a human being, what is, what's wrong? What's bothering you? A plain, simple question. You know, every day you're smart. Today you're not smart. What's going on in your life? Save the world. Everyone thinks you got to be the Rosh Hashiva and the Goladar and the Rebbetzin of the Dar and, 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 and Rebbetzin Kanyanevsky. And you have to, who knows you have to be to save the world? Just asking someone, what is wrong? What is bothering you? Saved Joseph. Saved his life. Saved his brother's life. Saved his father's life. Saved the whole world. Why? Because even though they were Egyptian and they were Goyim and he was in a jail and he was on the top, if two people looked like they were going through something... You have to know why. How can I help you? That's just the beginning. This is who he is. He now becomes king of the world. Second to the king of the world. And now what happens? Last week's Pasha. So last week's Pasha and Pasha of Ayigash. This is such godless. You can learn. You can change your life. You can learn so much from this. It's a life changer. So... Let's go to last week's Pasha, Vayigash. Listen carefully. So what did his brothers do? We know what his brothers did. They took him. He begged, he begged for mercy. They had no mercy. They took him. They undressed him. They put him in a, in a pit of snakes and scorpions. We don't even want to think what that feels like, getting bit by snakes and scorpions when you're not dressed at all, right? They didn't touch him. They didn't touch him because he was a tzaddik, so they couldn't touch him. So the brothers saw that he wasn't touched, so they took him and they sold him down to Mitzrayim. Okay, so he sort of doesn't owe them any favors at this point. Now, what happens? When he says to them that he's Yosef, he says the following. First of all, he was very emotional. How do you know he's very emotional? Because a few times it says in the Torah that he, he didn't want to cry in front of them. What is he crying about? What are you crying about? They sold you. They should be crying, right? Listen to this. Unbelievable. He saw Binyamin, his brother, the, the son of his mother. Is this, the, is, this, uh, is this the kid that you've been talking about? And Yosef rushed. Because he had so much compassion for his brother. And he, he, he felt that he had to cry. 
and he ran into his room, and he cried there. He cried so much. The Torah tells us he cried so much. He was so emotional. He's, he's, he's a second to the king of Matrayim. He was so emotional. He had to wash his face so that his brothers wouldn't see that he cried. Okay? So this is who Yosef was. So now, he can't hold it back anymore. And he's going to tell his brothers who he is. Listen carefully. By Yomer Yosef El Echav, Yosef says to his brothers, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. Ha'od Avichai, is my father still alive? They could not answer him because they were in awe of his face. What happened over here? The first question is, he should have said, Right? So the, the answer is as follows. He gave them Musr. And what, was he, what he was saying to them was, I'm Yosef. If Yaakov is my father, and you guys sold me, and I'm not considered your brother, then he's not your father. Because if he's my father, and you're not my brother, something's wrong here. Then you're not my brother, then, then he's not your father. So he said, I need Yosef. How would Avichai, you guys are worse than Esav. Esav said, I want to kill Yaakov, but I won't kill him as long as Yitzhak's alive. Because I don't want to hurt my father. You guys had no problem selling me when my father... I'm Yosef, you sold me. Wasn't my father still alive when you sold me? Even Esav didn't do that? And they couldn't answer him. As I said last week, because they looked at his face and they were like, I can't believe we didn't recognize him. He looks exactly like my father. But when you make a decision on someone, who they are and what they are, then no matter how they change or what they do, you just don't recognize them. I told you the story, I believe I told you the story of the girl in Lotmart last week who changed her whole life. And her, the, the principal who threw out in 10th grade, he said, you can't be, she said who she was, and he said, no, you're not. You're her sister. And she says, no, I'm not, I'm her. He's like, can't be, it's impossible. Because he couldn't, once you make a decision on someone and you don't look at their potential, you just to get what they are, then you decide that it can't be that person. You can't be that person. You can't be successful. I decided a long time ago that you're not successful. You're a failure. If you're a failure, I can't see. So they didn't recognize his face, even though he looked like their father, because they were looking looking for him in all the wrong places. So listen carefully. So here he is, 21 years away from his father, in the worst, lowest place in the world. And the guys who made this happen was standing in front of him. And he just gave them Musr. And the, the Zayar and many Mephoshim say they died on the spot. When he said, I need Yosef, the Neshama left them. And Hashem had to put the Neshama back. Okay? So, if I were him, now I am going to hammer you for what you did to me for the last 21 years. I got what to tell you. You know who bought me? You know why he bought me? You know that I sat in jail because his wife claimed... I would have told them everything. Yosef Yosef says to his brothers right after the next passage, Come here. Come close. And they came close. And he said, The first time when he spoke to them, he just said, I need Yosef. He said, I am your brother. I am Yosef, your brother. I want to be your brother. 
Ashemachatam Oisi Mitzrayma. You guys sold me to Mitzrayma. Now you're figuring when I read this passage, now he's going to hammer him. I am the brother that you sold to Mitzrayma. Do you know what you did to me? No. This is something we all need to learn. He says, and now don't get depressed, guys. Don't get angry at each other, pointing fingers. You, who did you? It was your idea. Reuven, it was your idea. Why did you stop it? Why did you get, look what you did. He said, guys, 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 don't get depressed that you did this, you, that you made the biggest mistake of your life, that you sold me and you were wrong. And, and don't get angry at each other. Why? Listen to this. This was meant to be. Hashem sent me down to Mitzrayim, not because you bad guys, that, it wasn't even your idea. You're not even responsible. It was Hashem's idea. He sent me down to Mitzrayim, so I could feed the whole world. Because these two years of hunger, right? Hashem sent me. Hashem sent me down here to save the world. And now, you didn't send me. Kim sent me. So instead of rocking them and criticizing them, he immediately gave them a little musa right away. No, no, no. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Don't get, upset. Don't get depressed. Even though you did all this to me. No, 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 no. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. You did a good thing, guys. You sold me. You did a good thing. You saved the world. You didn't do a bad thing. I'm not angry at you. You did a good thing. Hashem wanted you to do it. Come on. Come on. Is that what I would say? You did a good thing. Look what happened. But that was Yosef Atzadik. Didn't want to hurt the brothers who hurt him so much. That's why he was called Yosef Hatzadik. We're not finished. Okay? Very nice. Yosef, we're very impressed. Okay. Let's go to this week's Pasha. Let's not, no, let's go, let's finish in that Pasha. Okay, so at this point, ladies, he tells his brothers, I'm the guy you sold to Mitzrayim. Don't worry about it. Don't be upset. It's all matter Shemayim. Now, what do you expect the brothers to do at this point? Apologize. Wow, what a brother we have. What a tzaddik. We thought he was, he was talking Lashon Hara. Look at this guy. We, we, we sold him for 21 years, and now he's telling us that it was meant to be. He's not angry at us. We love you. We're so sorry. How did we do this to you? Nope. Nope. Listen to the Pasuk. And he falls on the shoulder, on the neck of Binyamin, his brother, and he cries. And Binyamin cries on his shoulders. <coughs> his brother's nothing. Now, this passage blows my mind. They didn't, they, 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 they didn't apologize. They're standing there. Yosef goes over to every brother and gives him a kiss. Hello? You, you did this to me. You're not even apologizing. Yosef goes to every brother and he gives him a kiss. And he cries on their shoulder. They're not crying on his shoulder. Oh, I'm so sorry what I did to you. Oh, my God. He's crying on their shoulders. He's giving them a kiss. It's crazy. It's crazy. But Achare came finally. 
Dibro Echav Ito. After Yosef went and kissed them, after everything they did to him, the brothers decided to say they're sorry. The brothers decided to talk to him. This week's Pasha. This week's Pasha, Pasha Vayichi, is called the Pasha Stuma. <coughs> Every Pasha in the Torah has a space between the last Pasha and the next Pasha. So when the person who reads it understands that the Pashas are separated. If you look at a Sefer Torah, the last word of last week's Pasha, of Ayigash, is Ma'od. And the first word of this week's Pasha is Vayichi. And the word Ma'od, I, I'm a Kayan, so I got the Aliyah on Monday. The word Vayichi and the word Ma'od are right next to each other. So you don't know where Pasha Vayigash stopped and where Pasha's Vayichi begins, but it's very interesting. The two words are together. Ma'od Vayichi, much life. But it's called the Pasha Stum, it's closed. There's no space. And the reason that Rashi says is that he wanted to tell us when Mashiach was going to come and Hashem closed his Ruch HaKodesh that he wasn't able to say it. Another answer is that this is where Yaakov and all the Shvatim died so the eyes of Kleisra were closed because we were closed into a gullus. But I want to say that the best word to put on Vayichi is Stuma. Life is a closed book. Life, Vayichi, is a Stuma. Because we don't understand why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And a lot of the stuff that happens to us in life is stuma. We just don't understand it. And the reason you don't understand it is because you don't see the whole picture. You don't see it from the beginning to the end. So you don't understand it. So the life is stuma. Now, listen to this. The last word of this week's parsha. that's the first word, life. Nice parsha, right? The last word in the parsha which happens to be the last word in the book of Beratius, okay? The last word in the book of Beratius is a terrible word. The last Pusik says the following. By the way, the last Pusik of a book usually is a summary of the whole book. So the last Pusik in Vayichi should be the summary of the whole book of Beratius. Here's the Pusik. Vayamas Yosef, and Yosef died. Ben Meyav Eshashanim, 110 years old. But also, they mummified him. But Yisem Ba'aron, and they put him in a coffin. And the last word in the book of Horatius is, B'Mitzrayim. They buried him in Mitzrayim. Why do you end the, parash, the book of Horatius with such a terrible, he died, they mummified him, they put him in a coffin, and they left him in Mitzrayim. How is that a summary of the whole book of Creation and Noah, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, the Shvatim. How does this, this passage should be somewhere in the middle of Vayichi. And then everybody in Shul, right? The last passage. He died. <laughs> they mummified him. They put him in a coffin. They left him in the tribe. And all the men get up and say, Yay! Chazak, chazak, when chazak. Be strong, wonderful, amazing. Hello? What's going on here? What is going on here? The, pas- the Pasha starts with life and the Pasha ends with death. What's going on in this Pasha? Fantastic. Fantastic. Listen to this. Just a nice story before I get to it. Nothing to do with what I'm talking about till now. The, the question is, <coughs> the famous switching, Menashe Ephraim. So, 
he brought the two children. Menashe was older, Ephraim is younger. So he put Menashe on the Yaakov's right hand and Ephraim under the left hand because the right hand goes to the older one. And Yaakov switched his hands. He put the right hand on Ephraim and the left hand on Menashe. And then Yaakov said, no, it's a mistake. The, he's older and he tried to switch it back and he switched it back. And Rashi says because, because Risham were coming out of Menashe, bad, bad kings, and out of Ephraim were coming good people. So he wanted to give the bracha to where the good people are coming from. That's one shot. I heard an amazing shot. Why, why, why did he switch his hands? And this is really a lesson for all of us too. Parshas, Parshas Miketz. Yosef has two children. He names them the following. He named them, right here it's where it says. U Yosef He had two children. Yosef called the name of the Bachar Menashe. Why? Ki Nishani Elokim Es Kolamali, because God made me forget all the all my hardships as Kobes Avi, and he helped me forget my brothers and the whole household of my father. The second kid he called Ephraim. Because Hashem multiplied me in the in the in the land of my pain. Said Yaakov Avinu, Yosef Atzadik, I cannot put my hand on a boy whose name is Menasha, which represents forgetting your family and forgetting the stuff that you went through. Because the stuff that you went through is what makes you who you are. And your family is what makes you who you are. You want me to give a bracha to Menasha with my right hand when his whole name represents that you were celebrating forgetting me and forgetting my family and forgetting your hardships? No. I'll put my right hand on the kid that you named where you focused on the positive. That even in my pain... Look what you did for me. You gave me another child. That gets the right hand bracha. And therefore, when we bench our children every Friday night, it's the simcha lokim ke Ephraim uchamanasha. Ephraim represents that even in the hardest of times and in the hardest of gullus, you find something to be happy about. That I had another child. Even though I'm in gullus and I'm away from my parents. Menasha represents, I want to forget all my pain. I want to forget everything I went through. I want to forget my family. No. First comes Ephraim, then comes Menashe. It has nothing to do with my shit tonight. It's just a vatayra on this week's parasha, which is a very beautiful thing to say at the table. Specifically because we bench our children at the table. It's just a very beautiful thing. You focus on, in the darkness, you focus on the one good thing there is. Hashem says, that gets the right hand. That, that gets the first name. The other name, Menashe, that gets the left, that gets the left hand. Okay. But anyway, going back to what I was saying. At the end of the parasha of Ayichi, something happens. Yaakov dies. And they take Yaakov Avinu and they bury him in Eretz Yisrael. They come back to Mitzrayim and the brothers are like, this guy is not for real. He was so nice to us and Hashem and I'm not taking revenge and you saved the world. No. He was waiting till Yaakov dies. He's like Esau. Esau didn't want to do anything until Yitzhak died. Now that we buried our father, he is going to kill us, our wives, our children. He's the king. He's going to take revenge. We are in big trouble. 
So they made up a story. Rashi says, they made up a story. Listen to this. The brothers saw that their father died. They said to, they said to themselves, uh-oh, Yosef. Yosef really hates us. He's now going to take revenge on all the evil we did to him. So we're in trouble. So what did they do? They came to Yosef and they said, You should know that we were all in the room and our father, his last will and testament before he died, he said, Send a message to Yosef. Please forgive the sins of your brothers. Because they did bad to you. Please forgive them and don't do anything wrong to them. Again he cried. Why did he cry? Now they made that up. Yaakov never told them. Go tell Yosef that I said that he shouldn't take revenge. Because first of all, some of Farshim say, they didn't, Yaakov, Yaakov never knew the whole story of Yosef. Never told him. But Rashi says something amazing, girls. Amazing. How do we know that they made up this story? Maybe Yaakov told them. Maybe Yaakov told them. When I die, tell Yosef to leave you alone. Says Rashi. What a Rashi. Rashi says the following. Our father commanded. They changed this whole thing. Because they wanted peace. Yaakov came. For sure Yaakov didn't give this commandment. Why not? Shalom Neksha Yosef Be'enov. Yaakov would have never dreamt that Yosef would ever hurt his brothers and take revenge. Yaakov knew who Yosef was. Yaakov knew Yosef's personality. Yaakov knew that he forgave them. Yaakov knew that he didn't want to hurt another person. There's no way that Yaakov would tell his kids, make sure Yosef doesn't hurt you. So for sure they made it up. That's what Rashi said. Why did Yosef cry? Yosef cried because he knew his father didn't say that. Yosef cried that his brother still didn't get it. They didn't get who he was. He's not a revenge taker. He's a person that cares about another person's feeling. I love you guys. I want it to be part of you guys. I know it's from Hashem. You don't get me. You're making up a whole story. My father knew who I was. He would never, ever think that I would take revenge. So he tells them the following. So he cries, and he tells them the following. All his brothers fall in front of him, and they're like, please don't kill us. My wives, our children, we're all going to be servants to you. Here comes the big word, and this you must say in your life, and you shouldn't have to say it in your life, but we have to always say it in our life. So here they are. He just doesn't get it through. They're like, okay, 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 okay. You're not going to kill us. Okay. But, but, but you want us as your servants, right? I mean, we're going to be slaves, right? Because we sold you as a slave. Mida Kenege Mida. Now you're in the power to make us slaves. And we made you a slave. So you're going to make us a slave. Here's Yosef's answer. Vayomer Alehem Yosef. Al-Tira'u. Please don't be scared. Don't worry. You think I'm here to take revenge or to punish? To punish is not the job of a human. Punishment is up to God. 
Hatachas Hashem on me? You think I think I'm God? I'm going to take revenge because you made me a slave. We're going to make you a slave. This has nothing to do with you. This is from God. And he goes on and he says, I'm not God. You guys, I know, you had bad intentions. But God had good intentions. In order that I should be the king today to save the world. Again, he says, don't be scared. I will feed you. I will support you. And your children, don't worry. I will take care of you. And he comforted them. You hear this? The guys that did this to him, he's busy crying. He's busy comforting them. They heard him. And he's busy comforting them. And he spoke to their hearts. Okay? Last Pasuk. By Yamas Yosef, and he died, and they mummified him, and they put him in a, and they put him in a coffin in Mitzrayim. How is this the summation? And the, the, another question that's asked is, why are you telling me they put him in a coffin? Nowhere in the whole Torah does it say that anybody was put in a coffin. I need to, you need to know he was in a coffin. He wasn't in a talus. They put him in the Nile. Who cares? The Torah doesn't say anywhere else. And Yaakov died, and they put him in a coffin. Avram died, they put him in a coffin. Yitzhak died, they put him in a coffin. Moshe, they, they didn't put anyone. What are you telling me they put him in a coffin? Who cares? What do I need that detail? So there's a beautiful medrash. We're going to end with this. It's a beautiful medrash. And the medrash says that when Klaishol came to the Amsof, the, the, the river would not, the river said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am not splitting. Moshe Rabbeinu said, why not? Because Hashem created me on the day that I was created. And he created me to have a nature. I'm an ocean. And, and my, my nature is, I could freeze, even though an ocean doesn't really freeze. But I can't, I don't split. I just don't split. It's not my nature. And I'm not, I'm not doing any miracles. Because they're Oiv Devoid Zara and they're Oiv Devoid Zara. They are both Oiv Devoid Zara. I'm not doing any miracles for Kaleisrael. They're just as bad as trying. I'm not splitting. I'm not splitting. I am not breaking nature. Says the Medrash, but the, we know that it's split, right? The Yam split. They walked through it. Hayam Ravayanas, you say in Halal. The Yam saw and it ran. Split. Says the Medrash, Ma Rahayam Vayanas. What did the sea see that it split? The coffin, not the body, the coffin of Yosef. Torah says, uses the word coffin. The coffin of Yosef. Fake the Medrash, so, so you saw the coffin of Yosef. Why'd you split? Because the Yam said that the man that's in that coffin broke Teva. Broke a human being's nature. His brothers sold him. He should have taken revenge. Instead, all he cared about was to help them. He was in his master's house. He was being seduced. He broke his nature, says the Medrash, against the most beautiful woman in the world. Why did he break his nature? Because the biggest sin to God is to be an ungrateful person, is, is to be someone who is the opposite of a Karthatov. He broke his nature as the head of a, of a prison to worry about a bunch of prisoners who could do nothing for him. Yosef at Sadik 
was a person who over and over and over and over broke human nature. Therefore, the Yam said, you have a person who broke his nature, I have to break my nature. And he split and he saved Klai Israel. Had he not split, we would have been destroyed and there would have been no reason for Bereshus. The reason the world was created, the reason there was an Adam, the reason there was an Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov was so that Klai Israel one day would get the Torah. But if they got wiped out at the Yam because the Yam wouldn't split and the Egyptians would wipe them out, there would be no Torah. If there would be no Torah, who needs the whole Bereshus? The summation of Bereshus is the last word. The last word is the best word. What's the last word? Mitzrayim. Had they taken him out of Mitzrayim when he died and buried him in Israel, then when they got to the Yam, there would have been no coffin with Yosef's bones and the Yam would not have split. He only split because Yosef was stuck in Mitzrayim. And Yosef told his brothers, do not leave Mitzrayim without my body. And it says that when everybody was looking for money, Moshe Rabbeinu got his why. Leave Mitzrayim, come back and get me 25 years later. Because Yosef knew if you don't take my body, the yam is not splitting. So don't leave without my body. And that's why it says Moshe Rabbeinu was a chacham. The chacham that he went to get the body. Because without the body, the yam is not splitting. So the biggest word in the whole book is Mitzrayim. If he wasn't buried in Mitzrayim, they're dead. Chazak, chazak, this chazak. What looks like the worst things in life are the greatest things. And that's how we end Bereshus. Bimitrayim, and we all get up and say, it looks terrible. Yosef Atzadik was buried in Mitzrayim in a coffin? And the answer is yes. Had he not been buried in Mitzrayim, had he been buried like Yaakov Avinu in Ertisrael, we would have never made it through the Yamsuf. What a crazy, crazy lesson. I want to end with something from Chicken Soup for the Soul. Just, just, just what Joseph did, just how you're doing, what's bothering you. A good word. Just a good word to a kid. A good word to an older person. It saved the world. With all everything that Joseph did, had he not asked those two guys what's wrong, we're done. So it's actually called Prettier Than Freckles. Mark Twain wrote something really amazing. He wrote, wrinkles should merely indicate where smiles once have been. That's what wrinkles are, okay? So I want to read this to you very fast. It happened one year at the zoo. My daughter and I stood beside a grandmother and a little girl whose face was sprinkled with bright red freckles. The children were waiting in line to get their cheeks painted by a local artist who was decorating all their faces with tiger paws. Whatever they were decorating. You've got so many freckles, there's no place to paint, a boy in the line cried. Embarrassed, the little girl beside me dropped her head. Her grandmother knelt down next to her and said, I love your freckles, don't listen to that boy. And the little girl said, not me, I don't love my freckles. And the grandmother said, well, when I was a little girl, I always wanted freckles, she said, tracing her finger across her granddaughter's cheek. Freckles are beautiful. The little girl looked up and said, really? Of course, said the grandmother. Why, just name me one thing in the world that's prettier than freckles. The little girl peered into the old woman's smiling face. She said, I know something that's more beautiful than freckles. 
And the grandmother asked, what? And she said softly, wrinkles. <laughs> that moment has whispered something to me ever since. If you look at others with the eyes of love, you will never see blemishes. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.